Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. All right. All right. Hello. Welcome to Geeky Magic. And today we are going to be talking about, we're continuing our series this month around weight loss. And today I wanted to continue this conversation by talking about detoxification and talking about the importance of detoxification as it relates to weight loss. Now, why do we care, (laughs) right? Why do we care about weight loss and detoxification? What is the relationship between the two? Well, I'm going to talk today specifically around uh, liver detoxification. So this is not just detox. That's like some influencers telling you to drink I don't know, cayenne pepper or cabbage for days or whatever. These are not silly uh, influencer detoxes. This is the actual physiological process of detoxification. And why this is important, specifically if you are a woman, is this is going to optimize obviously your liver function and your metabolism. It's going to aid in sex uh, sex steroid metabolism. And it's also going to help you if you are someone who is trying, let's say, the ketogenic diet or any diet for that matter. Um, It is going to, in its ability to augment and upregulate sex steroid uh, metabolism like estrogen, which we're going to talk a lot about today, that is going to help you reduce adiposity. And it's also going to help augment the function of your thyroid, which is also a really important metabolic gland, particularly when we're thinking about um, weight loss. And meta- well, metabolism in general, but specifically, I know we're talking about weight loss, so we're going to talk about this in the context of weight loss today. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms, and here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause, and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause, and there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. Um, so a couple things. First, uh, we're going to talk about hydroxylation, conjugation, elimination. Oh my, we're talking about the three phases of liver detoxification. And basically, you know, the big 30,000 foot view from the trees is that we have, um, all sorts of um, things, we'll call them toxins. They can be uh, endotoxins, exotoxins. Uh, They can be sex steroids like estrogens. Um, And the liver's job is to basically take these these toxins, whether they're fat soluble, um, and then to make them less fat soluble. And actually the end product is so that they become water soluble so that we can excrete and get rid of them. 
couple of required nutrients, and we'll talk a little bit about this. In order for detoxification to occur appropriately, you need the full spectrum B vitamins, but in particular, we need riboflavin, niacin, uh, vitamin B6, vitamin B12. We need folate. Uh, we need other um, uh, nutrients like glutathione, uh, flavonoids, phospholipids, etc. In order for us to actually move through the first phase of detoxification. And that is called hydroxylation. And all that is, is really just adding an OH group, a hydroxy group uh, to the end of the molecule. So for example, if we look at estrogen, uh, if we're going to maybe take the, wait, let's actually use the example of estrogen all the way through because estrogen for women and weight loss is very, very important. So when we're thinking about estrogens, of course, we have three. Uh, you'll often hear me refer to them as estrogens, and that's not a mistake. Uh, there are three. We have uh, estradiol or E2, which is the most abundant estrogen in women in their menstruating years. We have estrone, E1, uh, which becomes more and more prominent for women in their uh, perimenopausal and menopausal years. And then we have estriol. Um, and so estriol is really more of an estrogen that we tend to see in pregnancy. So it's really E1 and E2, uh, and I should maybe uh, accurately denote it as E2 and E1 are the uh, the two estrogens that we're really concerned about when we're talking about um, uh, metabolism in a woman, uh, you know, whether she is menstruating or not. And in this first phase of hydroxylation, we will have, for example, uh, with estradiol, we will have uh, two metabolites uh, that can be hydroxylated. So we will have two hydroxyestradiol, which is often denoted as uh, 2-OH-E2, or four hydroxyestradiol, uh, denoted as 4-OH-E2. And then with estrone, 2-hydroxyestrone, 2-OH-E1, and then 4-hydroxyestrone, which is 4-OH-E1. And actually, uh, pardon me, I should say, um, estrone can also um, have another metabolite called 16-alpha-hydroxyestrone as well. So all this to say, hydroxylation is just the uh, addition of an OH group, okay? So hydroxylated estrogens uh, first, I should say um, this is facilitated by uh, specific members of the P450 cytochrome, uh, cytochrome P450 family of enzymes. And these hydroxylated estrogens are collectively known as catechol estrogens. And what's important here is that they can retain biological activity. So, <clears throat> pardon me, I have a little squeak of a cough getting over the vid, uh, which I'll share in a, in a future um episode. My voice is just like almost one octave lower today. I don't know if you've noticed that, but um, I may cough and I may <laughs> take a sip of my water, my bone broth as uh, as we're talking here. So um, anyhow, so we have these hydroxylated uh, estrogens um, that can retain their biological activity and how they... Um, the, the bioactivity of these estrogens is dependent on the position of the added hydroxyl group. So for example, um, there's a couple of different pathways that estrogen can go down. Some are um, more protective, we'll, we'll say, and others are less protective. They're, they're more proliferative um, and specifically with the 4-OH pathway, which we'll talk about, uh, this can actually produce more DNA damaging quinone forming um, byproducts that can uh, just quicken the aging process for us and slow down uh, detoxification. So 
just for my clinicians that are listening, your CYP1A1 is going to be the enzyme that uh, produces two hydroxyestrogens. Um, it is generally considered an estrogen antagonist. So this is where we are kind of getting into the weeds a little bit. Um, Base, I want to I want to explain this in a way that everybody can understand. So when we when we say an estrogen antagonist, that means that it does not retain its ability to um, activate estrogen receptors. Okay, so this is why the two OH pathway is often called protective because we all we don't always want estrogen activation, particularly um, when we talk about the four OH pathway. This is generally called an estrogen agonist facilitated by the enzyme CYP1B1 uh, is generally considered deleterious, as I mentioned, DNA damaging, quinone forming, and it can retain the ability to activate estrogen in the breast. So it can become proliferative in the breast and shut down estrogen receptors in the bone. So that's like a no-no on both sides, right? So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about the first phase of um, uh, detoxification, which is um, hydroxylation. We're going to talk about solutions in a moment. The second phase is conjugation. Okay. So conjugation. Um, so after we have these catechol estrogens um, that have been formed through this cytochrome P450 metabolism, they're going to be subject to deactivation. So remember we were talking about when, when we want to detoxify, we want to take uh, uh, compounds that cannot be excreted, uh, that are not water-soluble, and make them very water-soluble. So this is um, what is um, the job of conjugation, these phase two conjugation um, enzymes. And so um, conjugation enzymes are going to, you know, uh, increase solubility. They're going to facilitate renal and biliary excretion. Um, and there's a whole diff, there's a lot of different ways that, uh, we can, uh, go through conjugation, uh, for, um, those of you that are already like, this is way too technical. I hate this. <laughs> Please stay here. Stay with me. I promise, uh, the science, um, I promise you'll love the science as much as me if you listen to this a couple of times, but also um, to spare you all of the gory details, there's different ways that we can go through conjugation. One is methylation. Uh, you may have heard of that before. There's a very famous um, uh, enzyme, MTHFR, that has become, you know, sort of sounds like a swear word. I promise it's not. Um, this is involved in methylation. Uh, this is facilitated by the catechol methyltransferase enzyme or COMPT. Um, we also have glucuronidation and glutathionization via the glutathionized S transferase enzymes. So all that to say is that First part of detoxification, we add an OH group that's called hydroxylation for the cool cats. Second part is now we're making it much more water soluble via conjugation. And there's different ways that we can conjugate. Okay. So sticking with um, this estrogen um, example. So we, um, for example, if we are looking at uh, methylation in particular, um, and let's just pretend that, you know, 70% of our metabolites have gone down that 2-OH, that protective pathway, we can look at another, a secondary metabolite called 2-methoxyestrogen as it goes through um, uh, detoxification and compare that to 2-hydroxyestrogen to get a sense of, if you can, um, your methylation 
activity. Um, so if you, you know, one of the ways that you can infer methylation activity certainly is by doing genetic testing and looking at some of the genes that are involved in methylation. But if you do something like a Dutch test, you can certainly look at two methoxy estrogens, uh, two methoxy estrogens and look at the comparison of that metabolite and see what that ratio um, looks like. So phase one, phase two, and now I'm just going to ex uh, explain phase three, and then we're going to get into some action steps. And phase three is very important. This is the elimination piece. So this is where, and using estrogen, uh, you know, in our continuing example, we have estrogen now that has been hydroxylated, it's been conjugated, and now we have these conjugated estrogens that are put into the intestinal tract, and it meets the estrobolome, which is... Um, all to say that this is basically bacteria in the microbiome that are involved with um, uh, getting rid of estrogen. Now, depending on the levels of um, beta-glucuronidase, uh, if you have high levels of this deconjugating bacteria, you can actually send these deconjugated estrogens back into the system via intestinal reabsorption. And now your levels of estrogen in this particular example are going to be elevated. And of course, one of the, you know, when we're talking about this in the context of detoxification and weight loss, we want estrogen, the golden rule of estrogen is use it and then lose it. So we want to use estrogen for all of its proliferative and anabolic effects. And then we want to get rid of it. We want to get rid of it via the estrobolome, and then of course, out through fecal excretion, um, et cetera. But if you have gut dysbiosis, if you have high levels of beta-glucuronidase, you are going to reabsorb estrogen. Now, why is this important? So when we think about um, why this is important, one of the things that... Um, why this matters in the context of weight loss, and I've been focusing on estrogen specifically as I'm trying to explain detoxification, because estrogen levels uh, and estrogen balance in a woman is crucial in her ability to lose weight. So if you are someone who's estrogen dominant, and by definition, in estrogen dominance, we talk about this in the luteal phase of a woman's cycle. So in the second half of your cycle after you've ovulated, if you are having, if you notice that you have uh, symptoms of PMS. If you have angry and you know tender, I used to call my breasts like they were angry at me, like very very tender to touch. Uh, if you have bloating, cramping, mood changes. If you when you do menstruate, notice that your bleed is very heavy. There's lots of clots in there. This may be a symptom or symptoms collectively of estrogen dominance. And if you are estrogen dominant, you are going to have a proclivity for putting on more adipose tissue or accumulating more adipose tissue. And this, of course, is going to affect thyroid function. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, a very important gland in metabolism. And the more adipocytes you have, so the more fat accumulation you have, you're going to be releasing generally um, more pro-inflammatory cytokines. So you're going to have this sort of low level of chronic low-grade inflammation. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes, and your blood pressure. 
Start your morning right with a refreshing salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice. And it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. LMNT also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want. And if you don't like it, they will refund your money no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. Um, you will also release other things like adipokines, adiponectin, um, and fat is going to, you know, they are going to be, is an endocrine tissue. We used to sort of think that fat was this like just, you know, inert, jiggly stuff that we didn't want, but this is a tissue that secretes hormones to distant parts of the body. And of course, when we have increasing levels of adiposity, um, we can also explain, you know, there's, there's sort of like a, almost a linear co-relationship. They're sort of always twinning, you know, obesity and diabetes. So we want to be thinking about estrogen in particular. We want to be detoxifying ninjas when it comes to estrogen, because if we are not getting rid of the estrogen, the circulating estrogen, we are now um, encouraging a fat accumulation um, uh, state of affairs in a woman, which is going to necessarily affect thyroid function as well. So as you're accumulating more and more fat, estrogen also is secreted by the um, adipocyte by the adipose tissue, I should say more uh, accurately. And this is also going to affect the thyroid. And specifically, we are going to block the ability of T4 conversion to T3 when we have excess estrogen in the system. So it is very much in your interest to be able to detoxify, particularly the sex steroid estrogen as a woman. And I don't want to, um, I know we're talking, uh, I, I don't want this to sort of be like, um, how would you call this fear porn? I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be fear porn because estrogen is a very, very important hormone for women. Um, you know, but anything, it's just like, it's like, you know, like anything, right? We want the Goldilocks version. We don't want too much. We don't want too little. We want it to be just right. And so, you know, when we think about some of the required nutrients that it's going to make, that's going to amplify your detoxification. So I was talking about the B vitamins at the top of our um, conversation. So riboflavin, which is B2, niacin, B3, B6, folic acid, B12, and other uh, compounds like glutathione, we also have other uh, required nutrients for conjugation. So when we were like that, those are the required nutrients that are really important for hydroxylation. When we get to the point where we're conjugating, so remember the methylation piece where that we are the um, the uh, uh, glucuronidation piece, the glutathionization piece. We also want things like glycine, taurine, glutamine, methionine. All of these things are incredibly important. These amino acids uh, and acetyl cysteine or NAC, uh, which is a precursor to glutathione. We want these amino acids um, to help with conjugation. And so foods that are, so here's where we get into kind of like the how-to piece. Like if you're a woman listening, you're like, okay, I want to lose weight. It's January. It's been COVID for 4,000 years. And now I just like, I've been putting on the COVID, I've been putting on my own COVID-19, like I've put on 19 or plus pounds. 
I need to get some of this weight off so that I can be metabolically healthy. One of the things that you can start by doing is optimizing your detoxification. And one of the ways that you can do that, even before you start counting calories and macros, which we're going to get into um, next week, is start consuming foods that are high. I would, I would counsel you to start consuming meat. Like I am a meat loving woman. And um, I would say that meat and not just the muscle, but the organ, uh, the organs are all really, really high in all of the compounds that I just listed, all the B vitamins, all the amino acids. It has the full complement of amino acids that you need. And if you're someone like myself who just cannot have organs, like I remember when I was a kid and I was forced to eat liver it was just like boiled liver and it was disgusting. So I have like a bit of a trauma response to having liver now. And I realize I'm working on it. But in the meantime, I consume desiccated organs. So I use um, ancestral supplements. Um, and I think we have a discount for uh, listeners of the podcast. I believe it's 10%. And I'll make sure that the code is in the, um, in the show notes. So I consume desiccated liver uh, almost daily. And I also um, consume bone marrow And, um, so ancestral supplements, I take their liver, I take their bone marrow, I do the heart. I have a whole bunch of the other ones. Um, but those are the ones that I take pretty regularly. I think I have their colostrum and the brain sitting around as well, but the ones that I can, that I consume every day are liver, bone marrow, um, and heart because liver is really nature's superfood. Like it is nature's multivitamin. You're going to get the full complement of everything in there. So highly recommend that you consider that as well. And this kind of gets into this conversation. Like we, we hear a lot about consuming cruciferous vegetables around upregulating estrogen uh, detoxification. And I am completely in agreement with that. I think that consuming cruciferous vegetables, uh, like the broccoli, the cauliflower, the Brussels sprouts, those have been shown to actually pull estrogen uh, detoxification or estrogen metabolism, maybe more accurately said, down that 2-hydroxy pathway, that estrogen antagonist pathway. So it does not retain the ability to continue to activate the estrogen receptor. So consuming those foods are very important. But one of the things that we do want to be mindful of, particularly in some women, not all women, but some women uh, especially if you're consuming a lot of the um, Brussels sprouts and the broccoli seeds and things like that raw, is that that can also have a deleterious effect in large quantities on thyroid function. So we want to be thinking about how we can consume more meat products, right? And when I say meat, I mean like the muscle, which is always delicious, always love it, but also the organ of the animal as well. And then how can we incorporate maybe lightly steamed um, cruciferous vegetables? One of my favorite ways actually to consume um, cabbage is sauerkraut. I probably have um, almost with every meal, like just a scoop of sauerkraut on the side. I just love it. And it's fermented as well. So that also changes some of the chemical constitution of it in that it doesn't have the same um, effect on the thyroid that maybe a raw cruciferous vegetable might. So we want to be thinking about, um, having cruciferous vegetables that way. Um, the other thing that you want to consider, um, as a woman, particularly a perimenopausal woman. So if you are someone who, uh, is in her forties or fifties, uh, still menstruating, or even actually for my menopausal women, this is important for you as well. You really want to be cautious of consuming too much fiber. And this is where um, 
your jaw, you can pick your jaw up <laughs> off the floor. Cause yes, I'm telling you that fiber, too much fiber consumption can be uh, deleterious for my perimenopausal and menopausal women. And the reason for that is one of the jobs or one of the functions that fiber has in the gut. I mean, we can, we've talked about all the benefits that fiber has in terms of, you know, attracting water to the stool, softening the stool, all of that, cleaning, um, you know, cleaning the, the intestinal wall as it moves through. But one of the negative effects of consuming too much fiber is that it is also going to get rid of too much estrogen, right? So again, with that Goldilocks, we want not too much, not too little. We want it just right. If you're consuming massive quantities of fiber, you are also probably going to be hypo. You are probably driving your estrogen and your testosterone levels uh, and progesterone levels so very low that now you're going to be getting the opposite, which is low estrogen symptoms. So we want to be thinking about moderating our fiber consumption as well. Okay. So Meat and organs, that's one of the ways that we can start amplifying our uh, detoxification process. Also through uh, fermented foods like sauerkraut, as I mentioned, cruciferous vegetables. And the fermented foods are also gonna be very good in, in supporting phase three of liver detoxification, which is that elimination piece in the gut microbiome. And I'm a really big fan here of, uh, and I've talked about this in the past, uh, these, um, resistant starches. So we get resistant starches from things like raw potato starch, from green plantains, green bananas, cooked and cooled rice, cooked and cooled potatoes. Um, and those are really, really awesome for feeding the colonocytes, feeding the um, cells in the large intestine so that they can, um, and to help with controlling levels of beta-glucuronidase so that you can efficiently, in the context of estrogen, uh, eliminate the estrogen uh, where and when it is needed. Okay, a couple other ways that we can detox. So I've been talking a lot about nutritional or chemical detoxification. Certainly other ways that you can amplify detoxification, you can sweat. So um, I'm uh, lucky enough to have a sauna in my home and it's actually something that I was using uh, to replicate a fever um, <laughs> uh, with my latest uh, infection, uh, latest infection, I never get sick, but let, with this big bad bug that shut down the entire world. Um, I was using the sauna daily um, and in the beginning, like twice a day. So I could replicate, a like I was already producing a fever, but I was like, I want to, I want to go all in on producing a fever, like, you know, this artificial um, increase in my core body temperature. So uh, saunas, if you don't have access to a sauna, of course, you can take a bath as hot as you can take it, get under there, stay in there as long as you can. And then once you're done, get some warm woolly pajamas on, get under the covers and continue to sweat for as long as you can. Same is true for a hot shower as well. You can still replicate sweating um, in a shower. Of course, you just don't feel that you're sweating because you have water on you. Um, now, the other way that you can continue to de detoxify is to support kidney function and that's through hydration. So I want you to think of hydration more as an anabolic um, process because cells are not able to do their job properly when they are dehydrated. So, you know, in order to grow muscles in order, you know, you need to be, you know, your muscles need to be hydrated in order to create maximal ATP, your cells need to be hydrated, um, in order not to start a stress response in your brain, your brain needs to be hydrated. So a general recommendation is at least two liters of water, uh, or two quarts. Uh, if you're American, uh, daily, I would say closer to three or four is better. 
I usually take in a minimum of three, often four. In the past couple of days, I've been taking five or six um, because I'm trying to hyper um, hydrate. Um, and then other ways, of course, is like your lungs. Your lungs are, of course, um, the primary source of beta oxidation. This is actually how we burn fat. Um, so breathing is actually um, that CO2, um, that O2 CO2 exchange. Uh, which of course necessitates good quality air. So if you have been living inside your home, scared that you are going to catch the big bad bug, uh, open your damn windows, girl. Uh, just let me let me just come out and say that you need fresh air. Often uh, the air inside a home is more polluted than the air outside of a home. And there are natural sort of antibiotic and antiviral mechanisms in nature, um, even anti-mold um, mechanisms to sort of keep those things at bay. So open your windows, get outside even better. Uh, but if you're too scared to go outside or you just, are, you know, where you live where I am, where right now it's just bone chilling cold, and you don't want to go outside. I still think you should go outside, but if you don't want to, just open your windows. Um, and then of course, doing things like diaphragmatic breathing is really important as well. One of the ways that you can train your um, your breathing system is to actually sleep on your stomach. Um, this train, this is actually one of the primary uh, protocols with acute respiratory distress syndrome. Uh, one of the things that they'll do in the hospital is they'll flip you over onto your belly um, because they're trying to induce diaphragmatic breathing. So you can do that at home by sleeping on your stomach. Yes, it's good for you. It's actually amazing for training diaphragmatic breathing. Also, just from a postural standpoint, amazing for maintaining the lordotic curve in your neck, amazing for stretching out the deep flexors in your neck, which get tight because we're hunched over our phones and our computers all day long. And particularly one of the more powerful neck flexors is the sternocleidomastoid, those two big chunky muscles on either side of your neck. Uh, it's also involved in contralateral rotation. We won't get into uh, kind of the mechanisms of SCM, but that is a really big neck flexor. And so when you are turning your head to the side, which is, you know, you have to do that when you're lying on your stomach to breathe, uh, you are stretching out one of the SEMs. And of course, we know that you don't stay in one position all night long. You're constantly moving. That's called normal sleep. So that's also another benefit. In addition to training your lungs, because your respiratory system is dependent on a strong and sturdy and toned uh, diaphragm. Uh, and when I say toned, I don't mean like a silly fitness model word. I mean, actually, I'm talking about the neurological tone of the diaphragm. We want neurological tone and we want the muscle itself, which is what it is. It's basically an umbrella that extends you know, to the front and back of the body. We want adequate tone in that muscle so that it can expand. So sleep on your stomach to, uh, to tone your diaphragm. And then of course, you know, if you're not sweating, if you're dehydrated, you're constipated, or you're not breathing right. Um, and your, you know, liver is being accessed to, you know, asked to process an excessive amount of stuff, you're going to struggle to detox. So we want to make sure that at least some of these parameters are being hit as a precursor to losing weight. So you want to make sure that you're sweating every day. And we talked about hot showers, hot baths, or saunas, of course, that can also be facilitated by working out, but we're going to talk about working out in depth in February. That's going to be the, um, the geeky magic topic for February, which is all going to be about resistance training and building a beautiful body. So you need to sweat. 
You need to be hydrated, right? So you don't want to be dehydrated. You don't want to be constipated. You want to be pooping once a day. So at least one BM, one bowel movement a day. And you can go back and listen to my uh, conversation with Dr. Mary Party on what the poop should look like, how often you should be going and all, we talk all things poop. Um, And we want to be amplifying our liver detoxification, particularly in the context of weight loss as it relates to estrogen. So, um, this was, this, this is, this geeky magic is designed to be almost a primer on detoxification. Hopefully you have some action items here. So we know, uh, just kind of as a summary of what we've been talking about, uh, we want to be thinking about consuming meat and meat organs. And if you don't want to eat meat organs, if you're in camp desiccated organs, like I am, that's super easy. You can pick something up from Ancestral Supplements, which is um, a company that I love. They have only New Zealand. They only, um, they have a really high quality uh, meat that they use um, from New Zealand. Um, so you can do the desiccated organ route. Uh, you can consume cruciferous vegetables, fermented uh, vegetables as well, like the sauerkraut I was mentioning. There's others like uh, kefir and other, other things that I didn't um, get into, natto, but uh, sauerkraut is by far, far and away my favorite. And then we want to be supporting um, the microbiome again through fermented foods, again, through um, making sure that we're hydrated, that we're sweating, um, that we are breathing properly. And this is not necessarily specific to phase three. It's just overall, this is how we are uh, detoxifying. So this is something I'd like you to think about in the next week. Like where are some of the ways, whether it's nutritionally or it's mechanically in your everyday life, where can you be sweating more? How can you be sweating more? How can you tone your diaphragm? Can you sleep a little, can you start training yourself to sleep on your stomach? We've actually been told societally, like from a societal perspective, that this is actually really bad. And I can tell you that, um, if you don't have a curve in your neck and you have poor diaphragmatic tone, you're fucked. Like you, you need to be able to have enough room for the discs so that you can continue to turn left and right. So that, you know, when you're doing a blind check, uh, in your car, that it's not your whole torso that's moving. It's just your neck. We still want to be able to have neck movement. Um, but also for that diaphragmatic tone that I was talking about in order to facilitate healthy lungs, particularly in a time a pandemic with a virus that targets lung function, uh, respiratory function. So we want to be thinking about how we can optimize our lung function. That is one of the ways um, to do to do it. And I, as I mentioned, um, I have I'm currently, um, you know, the biggest thing that happened to me is I lost my voice, which is why I sort of sound like this. But I'll be talking a lot in, um, I'm going to do a Geeky Magic soon on all of the protocols that um, I did um, when I, uh, found out I had it and how I got over it. Um, honestly, like I've, I've said before, it felt, felt like a man cold. Like it was, it was annoying. Like, you know, the first night, like did have some back pain and all of that. But, um, other than like the biggest thing that happened for me was I lost my voice, which is not great when you have a podcast. Um, but hopefully you, uh, understand my somewhat deeper late night, FM DJ voice right now. Uh, hopefully by the next time you hear me, it'll be back to normal. Okay. So that is a primer on detoxification for weight loss. Uh, look in your life where you think that you might be able to, um, to amplify detoxification and we'll see you next week. We're going to talk more about, uh, the ketogenic diet as a metabolic intervention for weight loss. See you then. 
All right, all right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I must give you the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer here. This podcast, Better with Dr. Stephanie, is for general information only. And the advice, recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship that has been formed and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. In other words, guys, be smart about this. Take it with a grain of salt. Take this information to your primary healthcare provider and have a discussion with him or her to make the best choice that is for you. Remember, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. And these conversations are meant for educational purposes only. 